Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where we talk to normal everyday people about their lived experiences of mental health, the way they see mental health in the world. Today, I'm really happy to be joined by Henriette Lang, who will talk to us about her experiences. Henriette, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for um, Oh, you're more than welcome. So in, in accordance with my normal way of doing this, I'm going to introduce Henriette, um, just tell you how I know her, where we've crossed paths and where we've met before. Um, and then I'm going to ask you to do your introduction to the world, let them know a little bit about you and, uh, and what you do. So, um, so Henriette and I met uh, about two years ago, I think we worked out at the uh, This Can Happen conference, an amazing conference that talks all things mental health within the workplace, uh, encourage anybody to take a look at the events that, that they host. They are just amazing. Um, we had some mutual conversations about things that we're both involved with when it comes to mental health and, and our own experiences. So it's just been a lovely ongoing conversation. Um, we keep in touch, uh, we check in with each other, and I think that's just marvellous. Um, Henriette has children too, so there's a mutual sort of connection through, through children. And yeah, she's just a great human, really. Um, so lucky to have you here, Henriette. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, do you want to introduce yourself, please? Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind words of you to say about me. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm just a great human, but um, I've had a lot of experience in my life with various things. Um, yeah, as you said, I'm, um, uh, well, my name is Henriette. Uh, I'm half Danish, half Norwegian, which is, um, you know, so I was brought up in Norway uh, and I lived a couple of years in Denmark before I came over to England as an au pair um, many, many moons ago. So that's how I landed in England. Um, I work for This Can Happen, um, which is a great workplace mental health company. Uh, I love my job, to be honest with you. Um, it's a great inspirational, passionate company uh, where we uh, talk to companies about how to empower mental health in the workplace. Um, and we're going from strength to strength. And um, I, I really, really enjoy that job. I've had a few um, experiences with mental health throughout my life. Um, I, um, the reason I got into this can happen actually, to start with that, was because I, I wrote a book uh, with a guy called Stu Baker. And um, we started as friends and we are now lived together. So that was a bit Amazing. of a journey. <laughs> um, we wrote a book called The Mindset Triangle Book. And it's all about keeping yourself healthy through three simple steps with healthy eating, exercise and good sleep and in that book we interviewed lots of different people who live with mental illness uh, and one of which was the Johnny Benjamin and Neil Laybourne story mm. um, and, and Johnny Benjamin and Neil Laybourne started this can happen with um, Zoe Sinclair so they then asked me if I wanted to get on board so that's how I got involved with this can happen through my own book um, yeah, so I wrote, I, we wrote, I wrote the book because I had a great interest in mental health. Um, and the reason why is that when I grew up, my dad lived with depression. Mm. Um, and he had a, a, a kind of a meltdown attempt, what you want to call it, when I was about 18. Um, and it, it, it had a massive impact on the whole family. I mean, I'm happy to say that he, um, he's a lot better now. He's in his 70s. Right. He's doing really well. He's um, weaned himself off the medication. Um, you know, but I, I remember the years when he struggles with his depression. And I think in an adult life now, I can understand what he went through so much better than I could when I was young, you know. Yeah. Um, and then obviously um, I have a, I have three kids. I had four children. Um, my eldest daughter uh, was born 18 years ago this year. Um, she died um, four hours after birth. There was complications and she had a genetic disorder. And obviously my mental health 
it, without needless to say, was very, very down after she died. The shock of losing a first child, um, the grief of losing a child, which you think that's not supposed to happen. Um, you know, um, and the lack of help that you got in those days uh, when you lost a child. I mean, I was also put, I, I know we were talking about this before and everything, and one after she was born, I was put into a side wing um, in a little room, but it was by the delivery ward. So I could hear all the babies crying and coming back and forth all the time. And I'd, I listened to that all the night of the first night after she died. And my mental health after I took it, it took a, a massive turn. Um, and I, I got I got through it. Um, I just I think one thing I realized very early on with grief and mental health was that um, there's no shortcut. There's literally no shortcut through grief. You have to just do it. And there's no other option. And every single painful step, you just have to go through. And that was it. Um, so that was the one side. And then I was very lucky to have three alive children after that. And uh, one, uh, I got a 16-year-old daughter and I got an 11-year-old son and a nine-year-old daughter. And my 11-year-old uh, son was diagnosed with a highly functioning autism when he was... Uh, I think he was about eight um, and I knew when he was um, diagnosed, I knew from an early age that, that he was, um, there was something going on. Uh, so for me, the diagnosis, diagnosis was just a relief really to have um, a, a bit of ammunition <laughs> yep. to use to go into school to say we need help. Um, and it was a little bit of relief for him as well, actually. I told him uh, when he was diagnosed, I told him about it because I always believe in being honest and open about mental health. So I speak to my kids very openly about everything. Um, and uh, when I told him about it, he he said, uh, ah, that makes sense, he said. Okay. So he felt it was quite good. And I told him that his autism is a superpower. Uh, it doesn't define him. Uh, we often talk about when he does things or something happen, I say often say to him, is that Matthias, Matthias who did that? Or is that autism Matthias who did that because I don't want the autism oh, yeah. to define him and take over him and make him feel like that's all I am um because he's Matthias who has lives with autism you know so I don't want it to take over him in that sense so yeah and then um yeah I think that's that's it's about me is there anything else <laughs> well we're going to get into more conversation about it lovely what a great introduction you know thank you so much for sharing as well and sharing those realities and those those moments that are difficult to sometimes you know for, for a lot of people and, and for anybody listening to this of course you know the loss of a child at birth is is a tragic event and and you know the recognition of that needs to be made for any organization I think that's something you know from from your perspective Henriette that you know an organization support is critical in this I know you had some conversations recently we were talking the, the beautiful thing is we have these conversations before and then we can go into them again in in this detail yeah. do you want to talk about that thing around support because i do want to just touch on that mm -hmm. because i think it's really yeah. important because there'll be a lot of people potentially who who will go through similar experiences unfortunately definitely i mean the loss of a child is a massive um, thing to go through in your life and um it's very very key to have the right kind of support and strategies into place in in a workplace to look after that person yeah. and not expecting them to just uh, click their fingers and then they're back um this is well i would also say that's exactly the same thing if you ha have um what they i don't want to call it a miscarriage in week 20 because i don't think it's a miscarriage i think it's a loss of a child but even if whatever stage it happens through a pregnancy or after your child is born it's still a grief because you have the same aspirations for that child yeah. that you would have had as soon as they're born so 
recognizing that is important plus the support so when i lost my daughter i, I was working as an it consultant in in london uh, many days in a few days in london a few days up in birmingham where i live and uh, um within two weeks i had a phone call to say uh, so um when, when are you coming back to work and I was like uh not yet I still got maternity leave so I got had paid maternity leave for three months and they were like yeah but you don't, you don't need to take that now do you you haven't got your child and, and I was just like well I needed more now than ever um and the, there was just not no understanding of and they wanted me to come back full time straight away and the um, environment was very male dominated and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way it's more in the sense that nobody knew how to talk to me or approach me. Sure. So um, the kind of thing that people used to say to think that they would help they would say things like oh you can always have another baby you know mm. you're young so don't worry about it you know I was I was 20 26. 27 and um, they were like oh you're young so you can just have another baby and it will be fine but I wanted that baby I wanted her you know so and people trying to mend meaning well but it didn't really resonate very well um, and this obviously the workplace weren't supportive at all so I ended up quitting that job because I the mere thought of having to go back to that workplace sent total anxiety into me so I thought I can't I can't do that so I quit that job and I haven't been an IT consultant since, and that's 18 years ago. You know what? Their, their loss is the mental health world's gain. That's their, <laughs> their problem. Nothing to do with that. Um, it's really interesting when you say about, you know, the silver lining of, of that. This There's a wonderful video. I don't know if you've seen it. The, the Brené Brown empathy versus sympathy video, yeah. which, which really brings that to life. You know, people have this wonderful way of thinking they're being empathetic when actually they're just saying, yeah, but, you know, you can always have another child and you can always do this. And, and, and you know, no, no useful sen sentence ever started with at least you know remember remember that share that thought be careful with it because having the right support at the right time is so critical and and I know you provide support to others I know you're very you know instrumental in sort of helping support people who are struggling um, with a with something that you're planning for the future as well which is just incredible and amazing of course um, can you talk a little bit about that sort of supporting others then through through their yeah, challenges definitely. um I, I know that my uh, uh, co-author and partner Stu Baker he won't mind me saying this I, I think he, he'd, he'd probably think Stu's great. brilliant by the way sending you all the best if you're listening to this I definitely will he's he's come a long long way I mean um, he's lived with depression uh throughout years um since he was in the navy mm. um and when I met him he was in a, at a very very low point and had very difficult times um and was on medication um but since that that's like since his what he would call his um attempt uh, three years ago he's come a long way he's now working as a general manager for a large gym company uh, he's off medication he uh, he's balances himself very very well um he, he's just learned so much about himself and i i'm i'm incredibly proud of the fact that he's done that and and that is due to pure perseverance but on his own side to do that and obviously i've been with him while he's had low points i mean we've had several uh, suicide attempts and suicidal ideations and I through through conversations of when you I can tell when you go when he's starting to go low by the way so you, you know as like with your daughter you can see when things are triggers and you can notice okay we're, we're on, on this path now so we need to be more vigilant so I can tell when he's going into into a low patch and we can talk about it so we've developed a little bit of a 
language as well to say, okay, where, where are you at, you know, and um, are we talking suicidal ideations? And we're very open and honest about that because it makes it easier for a partner to actually support and help. And I think as a, some, I don't, I hate the word carer for someone. I, I don't like that word. I think as a support person or the nearest support person for somebody who's living with mental illness, I think it's vital to understand that you can't fix anything literally can't fix anything for anyone. You can't talk them out of anything or change anything for them. It's their mindset. All you can do is to be support. So I don't tell you what to do or you should do this or do that. No, that never comes into our conversation. It's literally just hug, you know, give him a hug and say, I'm here, you know, um, just little things that you can do, make it acceptable for them to, to take that time out you know, if they need a nap on the sofa, put a blanket over them, you know, it's these small basic things that you can help to be supportive and caring for somebody who's when they're living with their mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I've talked about this before, because I've checked in with you for being a carer for your daughter, you've checked in with me. And I think the difficulty, I suppose, is that there's not much help around for the people who are around the person who's living with mental illness. And I think that's same thing as with my son, you know, with his diagnosis, there, there, there's nobody who asks me how I'm doing and, and how I'm getting on with it. You know, nobody will ask that. That's up to me to get the support and find it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who are carers who are naturally caring for others are the worst ones to look after themselves. Oh, yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And. And there is there is just such a big conversation around this. So, you know, I love the thought of, you know, nearest support person. You know, it's it's really important for anybody that's listening who is caring or supporting somebody that is really struggling. And, and you know, we're talking about some serious things, you know, serious mm -hmm. illnesses. If you think about physical illnesses, we often use that as the sort of the parallel universe, yeah. don't we? You know, we'll, we'll bend over backwards to do anything to support somebody that's going through treatment for whatever the illness is, you know, cancer or so on, etc. We will do everything we can within our powers. The challenge we have with this is, is we don't always know what's available, what we can do. And, and, and that I think is one of the biggest challenges with mental ill health is because every illness is so unique to the individual. Yeah. You know, some sometimes you have very high functioning and, you know, high functioning within all different types of things, illnesses, yeah. you know, with my daughter's um asd diagnosis you know she has high functioning autism and mm -hmm. and so she she does very well but she also struggles really badly with with situation and i think this is just a conversation to start you know this this recognition for, for all of us we're all carers wherever we are you Absolutely. know like, whether that's caring for our parents for our children for our best friends for our communities there is a there is a big burden of responsibility in that and when you feel that you've got everything under control is likely to be the moment where you're going to start to then everything will start to unravel do you feel that yeah we were talking yeah we were talking about this weren't we? yeah because I, I think when you're in um I, i'm one of those people i'm quite good at in a in a crisis situation i can keep control i'm very calm take it easy and sort everything out and then um afterwards i go you know what happened there yeah. and i react it's, it's a bit like um comparing it to my son's meltdowns when when he has them they are long and they take an hour and a half at least and during the meltdown i know that there's nothing i can do apart from just sitting there and being there yeah. if i leave he gets more stressed but i can't touch him so i just sit there it ends up me 
cradling and cuddling him that's how it ends and then we chat about it so but after that whole period I can be really calm and collected and everything like that but then once he's happy and he's uh, settled and all the rest of it and about an hour after I can feel like all drained and I think that's when you sort of forget to to take that time out to look after yourself you know and I think that happens quite a lot and then same thing with the with 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 Stu on his last um huge dip that he had I, I I just realized as well that I forget to think about me and that I'm getting better at it I must say because I've I think when he also has a low point when with his depression I think as a person nearby as a support person I think the most important thing is to know don't take it personally yeah uh, because if you take it on yourself and take it personally and um and not looking after yourself at the same time, then it's, it's, it's never, it's never, you just, it's detrimental to yourself, I think. So I try to sort of step out of it. And I know it sounds weird, but it's a bit like having a protective bubble for it around yourself to say, okay, that's what you're going through at, at the moment. That's absolutely fine. I'll be here for you. I can do that. I'm just going to protect myself at the same time because I have to, because there's other people that needs your care as well as. Yeah, is it? And, that, and that's really, yeah, because it, it usually is a bigger and wider community within, you know, you've got other children and, yeah. and of course, you know, that's, there's a responsibility layer in there. So yeah. talk to me about your self-care then. So this intrigues me. So, you know, we, we listen, we talk about it, we say yeah. we do stuff. Are you good at it? Do you <laughs> practice self-care regularly? Do you, What do you do? Right. So that I, I'm going to be honest, I'm good at it in periods of time. Okay, yeah. So, so like my one of my self-care is a candle yeah. and, and I know it's weird but it gives me an incredibly sense of peace and grounding um I am learning to meditate not right. for long uh, I did a bit of a tra- resilience training the other day uh, with top cookie actually there's somebody for you as well um uh, with 10 minutes a day where you actually practice uh, just counting your breathing and not having anything in your mind it's an amazing good reset button um, I am a bit of a gym bud. I'm, well, I'm not like over excessive, but I like going to the gym at least once a week. And I set myself realistic goals. I think that's really important to do. I think if you're looking at looking after yourself, be realistic about what you can do for yourself that week. And if you don't go and if you don't do it, don't feel guilty about it because the guilt is a useless feeling. It doesn't serve any purpose to you whatsoever. So that's my tips for doing it first of all, and then just being realistic. So, um, you know, eating healthy food, generally healthy, but also having a treat once in a while. You know, if if that cake on a Friday afternoon gets you feel, makes you feel happy, then do it. You know, go for a longer walk with the dog the day after to counterbalance if that thing. But the guilt in any sense doesn't work. So um, I do try to look after myself and have some moments out to myself. Um, um, I did, went through a divorce about three years ago, so my children obviously go to their dad as well, and we try to do a lot of co-parenting and equal amount with the children, both of us. I believe a lot in that um, to, to, to make it good, best for the children. Um, so I do, I am lucky because Stu goes to see his, his children um, on a Sunday, and then I have like a whole Sunday that I can spend time to myself. So I'm lucky in that sense, and I make the most of that time. Yeah. Um, make sure I don't just clean the house. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> make sure I have some time to read a book or go for a good long walk or things like that. So it sounds like you, you've got some good routines going on there, right? And, and yeah. I, I like this thought that says, don't feel guilty, you know, because, because I think we do, don't we? We often get to that point where it's like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have eaten that or I should have gone to the gym. And 
I think there's 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 a thing about having conscious awareness of what you're doing and 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 making that space. And and I talk a lot about time. I'm very much this fan of you know time is our greatest asset. And I was just talking with with another chap on this same conversation recently, and and it just is that realization that time is a valuable asset. You know, it, it really is for everyone. Everyone listening, you know, value your time in a different way. That says I can load my day with these great experiences. And and I always reflect back to the 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 cartoon of Snoopy and and uh, Charlie Brown. I, I've probably mentioned it already on one of these, but it just resonates so much about you know Charlie Brown saying you only live once, and Snoopy saying no, no, no you only die once. You live yeah. every day, and 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 I think that's so profound, and it's such a perfect sort of analogy of how we should treat our lives, and and we shouldn't get overwhelmed by oh I haven't done this today because there's always tomorrow to do it, and you know that's. I, I feel like that happens a lot for, for, for many people. And I, I can speak for women in particular, because I saw, I saw an article the other day that um, after COVID, women's roles in the home has gone backwards, like with 25 years. So there, there's more women who do all the household chores. Yep. There's more women who do take care of the children and doing a full-time job at the same time from home. And I've I, I got a bit worried about that because I, I see a lot of women who put, put, them under, put themselves under a huge amount of pressure Okay. To have to be the perfect mom that always does the baking thing when you have to deliver that to school, the, the, the mom who always sews the costumes, you know, for the, any play that they do, the mom who's got all the washing done and everything is sorted out and the mom who cooks the best tea, you know, dinners, you know, fresh and all that kind of thing. And I, I've been having this conversation this week, actually, with some, some girlfriends and I've said, stop putting so much pressure on yourself. You yeah. know, the kids won't remember that. The kids will remember when you said, let's go to the GP, you know, and have a little treat, you know, and or the kids will remember when you just put them into bed and read a story. And I mean, it's the pressure, I think, you put on yourself. And then the guilt comes, you know, the mum guilt. So people go around with the work guilt and not spending much enough time doing this, that or the other. And I think that's why I've learned. It's taken me time, I must say, but I have learned through time to stop feeling guilty. So if I haven't done anything, I go, oh, well. That didn't happen but i've done a lot of other things today and it's turning the the negative to the positive and and, and we i know that we can't be positive every single day and all the time there will always be bad days we all have mental health we all dip in our mental health but if you can learn from your experiences even the hard times i mean i've, I've learned so much from losing my daughter to my dad's depression, to uh, going through a divorce three years ago, uh, and to Stu's depression. I've learned so many things, and from my son with his autism, I've probably learned loads from him. Yeah. Um, and, and all those, if you can take all those things and put them into learnings and the, the positive and what I got from it. I mean, all my experience with my dad and with my son and with losing my daughter and with Stu, that is gonna put, good practice when I you know hopefully go through some great training in in January you know to become a Samaritan listener so it's all going to be a purpose of something do you know what I mean yeah I'm 100% I, I'm just I'm just I love your story I think I think your story is so fascinating because it's yours you own that and you really do own it and that's what I'm you know hopefully that's what this podcast or this recording is about is helping the listeners to understand we all have our own story and and what you do so well is you reflect on those moments with a positive light, you know, in a, in a, yes, they were hard. Yes, they were really challenging life moments and let's not underestimate what that meant at that moment. But now you can look back at them and go, you know what, it's taught me this wonderful lesson. I'd, I'd love you if you're able to, to share the comment you made before we recorded this about 
the conversation you had with your daughter about your lost daughter. Yeah, I, I yeah. found that lovely. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been very, as I said, honest with the children about mental health and, and mental ill health and, and talked openly about them. And, I, and I've told them everything about their older sister because uh, she was my firstborn and I've got pictures up of her. We celebrate her birthday. Uh, she's a big part of my life and she always, always will be. Um, and my youngest daughter, who's nine, she said this year, because on her eight, on my that w- what would have been my uh, oldest daughter's 18th birthday, she said, Mom, don't you just wish that Mikola was here again and she could be here? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. I said, I'd always wish that. And that's, that's that, that I can't deny that. I said, however, I said, what you have to remember is that Mikola died and I have learned so much from that because I've become a hundred times better mom to you three. And she went, really? And I went, yes, because I know what I've got. I, by, I have never, ever felt that the children were hard work or annoying or anything like that. And that, that's nothing wrong with that. If you do think that as well, because they can take their toll. But I have just always been grateful for the fact that I've got three children alive. And her death taught me loads, absolutely loads. And it also taught me how to, you know, sympathize and empathize with other people who've gone through the same kind of thing. It, it gives you a view of life with less judgment, I think. Brilliant. Yeah, I love I do, I do love that. That's why I wanted it to go in there, because it, it was such a nice sort of way to see things and help others to see that reality as well. You know, it doesn't take away the value or the challenge, but it just brings it into a different space. And, and that's amazing. So so a few more minutes left on this. Talk a little bit, if you're OK, too, about this can happen so that people yeah. listening will know what that means. I'm sure a little um, plug for that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I mean, I, I'm I'm very, very lucky to have found uh, and landed into a job like this because uh, I absolutely love it. So it's it combined so many experiences I've had throughout my life and then I can put it all together in one job. How lucky is that? Um, this Can Happen is a company founded uh, by Johnny Benjamin and uh, Neil Laybon and Zoe Sinclair. And um, it's been going for a couple of years now. So we started as a company to to put on a mental health workplace conference. That was the beginning. And that's how what we came from. Very small, passionate team who's all had their own experiences. And that's how we started. And we um, had a conference in 2018 and again in 2019. And uh, from that, we also put on the This Can Happen Awards. So we also now have a, a, an award where people, people can nominate each other and, and companies can nominate themselves in different kind of categories about who's doing the best within workplace mental health. Um, and then this year we uh, had to, through obvious reasons, go online. <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah, there you go. That's what happened. And we had three days online hitting uh, time zones like Asia and US, uh, as well as. Um, I mean, I was online two of the mornings. I was up at four uh, online till about six p.m. at night. But it was three amazing days. We had we had so much great feedback um, from it as well. Um, it's difficult with online to, to reach people, but it worked really well. And I think what this can happen does, um, you know, there's loads of mental health uh, supplies in the workplace. It's, it's, it's flooded with it. And what, mental, what this can happen does, I feel, is that we do it with integrity. Mm-hmm. And we keep a straight line, the fact that we don't support one supplier or another supplier. We are independent of that. And the speakers we use are people in job roles who has had their own experiences and own stories. And we use a lot through personal storytelling. Because just like you said before, everybody has a story. Everybody has mental health and everybody can ha- can experience mental ill health at some point in their lives. And learning about how you can support people in the workplace is so important. It's a 
somebody said actually on the conference, um, uh, we were talking about transgender in the workplace as well. And somebody said, if you have a workplace and the person comes in, and they only bring 60% of themselves, you don't get enough of that person. So why not help them to bring in 100% of themselves and support them so they can do so? Right. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. And it is such a great conference. I've been very lucky to participate in two of those conferences. And, and, and I've always walked away from there going, this is giving me a lot of encouragement that there's a lot of people doing great stuff. There's a lot of people that are investing in this conversation. Yeah. Continue this conversation. That's the most important thing. You know, this is there for a reason. We need yeah. for anybody that's listening on a podcast, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, like when Henriette talked about a candle, um, she's got a candle behind her. <laughs> and I've got this sign that keeps saying to people, we need to talk about mental health. It's such an important part of who we are. We're all there. We're all, you know, challenged and Oh, yes. Yeah, so I, I say this all the time. You know, you, you can talk about your physical health. We discuss, oh, I didn't get to the gym this week. Yeah. Uh, oh, my back back feels a bit funny. I've been sitting yeah. down too much. Yeah. We happily share all those things. But I think we should say things. Oh, you know what? I haven't taken any time to myself this week. Mm. Uh, I feel a bit run down. Um, I'm feeling a little bit negative about everything. And why is that? And I think that's a conversation you should be able to have between friends, you know, and be acceptable to do um, and in the workplace to do. You should be able to come into college and colleague and say, you know, I'm not I'm not feeling great today. And they, oh, OK, what can I do to help? You know, um, and I, I know and I think every I think one thing that positive thing about COVID uh, to split it into positive again. One yeah. positive thing is that mental health has been pushed up on the agenda of yeah. loads of workplaces and people. In, in everyday life people. So I feel that if nothing else is pushed so high up that everybody goes, oh, okay, you know, we all can experience crisis. We can all uh, need some help once in a while. And there's a lot we can do just to support each other. I think that is a key thing. Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're gonna see that change. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced it's happening. I'm convinced that, you know, yeah. there are, you're right. There's more people now getting involved in this conversation. I mean, you just have to normalize it and it will, it will change, you know, we've got you know, serious challenges when it comes to company cultures, you know, because when it's ingrained into a certain way of thinking and a certain style of management and leadership, it, it can be hard, but it's nothing that can't be achieved, right? I think that's, there's always work to be done. And this conversation is continuing brilliant with, with some great speed and conferences like this can happen, enable that conversation to, to just be raised and elevated a bit more, as do even these small podcasts, you know, to help, yeah people recognize normal people have real lives. They're not just the professional that you see on LinkedIn or on a, you know, on a presentation stand or whatever it is. Um, Henriette, we're right at the end. This is like half an hour gone. Um, um, I just want to say a huge thank you from me to you. To, you reached out and we, you know, we, we were talking about this and you were more than happy to participate. So thank you so much. I, I genuinely wish you all the best on your journey to your next level with Samaritans that you did talk oh. about alluded to. You was going to start your training in January. So yeah, uh, I'm so invested into that. Of course, it's it's my passion as well. So you'll be amazing. Um, so any last words from you you want to share in part? Any words of wisdom? Uh, I think um, there's a few things that people should always remember. Not don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, be kind to yourself. Um, somebody said to me the other day, uh, the way you speak to yourself in your head, speak to yourself as if you were talking to the, your child with the same love. Uh, and I think that's kind of what I want to leave to with everybody, just to be kind to yourself. 
Oh, thank you. And and all the best to you, Stu, and the family. Um, as I always do when I close this, just to say, if anybody is struggling, if you do need any extra support or help, um, you can always reach out to me, of course, but the Samaritans exist for, for exactly that purpose. They're there to talk 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call them on 116123. I'll get the number right. And uh, but that's a safe space, confidential, and they're not going to judge you on whatever you want to talk about. So always remember there's a resource out there that can help you. Um, anyway, thank you so much. Uh, we do the wave and I'll turn it off. And um, thank no you. And I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're